most important book, and I have been in Dr. Moeller's library. He has over 10,000 books in his personal library. And he said the second most valuable book in his library is his church directory. Because he can pray for the people in his congregation by name with the church directory. This is not to be used to sell Tupperware or whatever else you might want to sell. Uh, this is so that we can have contact with each other and use this as your prayer list. If you can't think of who to pray for, pray through your church directory. But use it for that. Use it not to contact people to sell whatever you want to sell. Jenny, you know that book I told we bought last week? I'm gonna I'm gonna encourage all the deacons to read it first. I wish I'd have got four or five copies of it. Yeah, he needs you can read it to him, Mary. You can read it to him some evening. It's a very short, very easy huh? Well then maybe I'll have to find it on audio. Um Come over for a visit. I've already read it, Pat. Uh, this autopsy of a deceased church, 12 ways to keep yours alive. This is a really short, easy read. And as I read through it, most of you know we've been in church rescue work for about 14 years now. And some of the symptoms, many of the symptoms that are in this book of why churches are dying at the rate of 10 a day in this country, he's picked up on. And he only had to survey, I think, 14 churches, or found most of his statistics are off of 14 churches that he surveyed why they closed their doors. It's a very interesting read, and I think it would do, do us all good to read it. I don't endorse books very often, but, and I don't buy new books very often because I already have too many to read, but it was five bucks, and I'm like, I can handle five bucks. Actually, the church did, but we'll put it in the library. But I would encourage you to pick it up and read it. Last week was Valentine's Day, and in case you looked at the songs, most of them are Valentine-related. But it's over. So we're going back to our study in First Timothy. But if you, the passage I was going to speak on last week was 1 John chapter 4. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, it's an interesting passage. If you look at that passage, where it starts, and then it ends up talking about love. And I actually went through this years ago and every time that word love appeared I put a heart over that and there's a lot of red in this chapter in first John 
And then Paul goes on in his letter to Timothy, and he starts out, and that's where we're going to go this week. But let's pray. Father, just guide us in your study this morning in your word, to truth of your word. Father, that we might know how to best serve you. And Father, just bless our time now. We pray this in your name. Amen. What do we stand on? We didn't have enough coffee this morning. What do we stand on? The Word of God. Jim's lesson this morning on pantheism and the New Age movement in Sunday school, they just think it's all, you know, that rock has as much power as I do. Not really. But that's what they believe. But we know that we stand on the truth of the Word of God. Paul, if you remember when we, whenever we started 1 Timothy, he actually starts out in his letter to Timothy, and he said in verse, chapter 1, verse 3, And I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Teach no other doctrine. What are we supposed to be standing on? The Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot irons. And then we go to chapter 6. So chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy in verse 3, if anyone teaches otherwise, that's the false doctrines, and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which comes envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds, and destitute of truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. It's warm in here, isn't it? How many of you like watching the TV evangelist? So I, I'm glad I'm glad you Pat was like Pat's one of those shy Baptists. He raised his hand like this, you know. But I like the preference. Some of them. What do we have to do if we're going to watch these guys? With any of them. I don't care who it is. We test what they're preaching and teaching against the truth of Scripture. I don't think we're going to get real far in this today, but look at Acts chapter 20. Starting in verse 28. the spiritual leaders of a local church 
must constantly oversee what's being taught. Because if they don't, and that's why, that's why I'm glad that we have, I have four godly men that will stand beside of me, and if I say something that's not right, one of them should correct me. We have to stand on the truth of the word of God. But in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Wow. Just those verses there have so much to tell us about what God wants us to do in teaching the word. And I don't care whether... You're in the nursery. You know what? We should be teaching, when we have children in the nursery, we need to be teaching them from God's Word. All the way up to the service here. When we gather together, we need to be teaching truth from the Word of God. Over the years in ministry, we've seen people that teach other than the truth of the Word of God. We were merged a junior high and senior high youth program one night. Attendance was down a little bit, and one of, the, one of the deacons in the church got up and taught a class from a book that's not even in the Bible. And he said, it's, I'm not going to tell you the book, but it's one of the apocryphal books. He said, it's my most favorite book in all of the Bible. I went to the senior pastor of that church, and I said, do you know what he's teaching upstairs? Oh, it doesn't matter. That's what the path. He's, he's, a, he's a deacon, so he, he knows what he's to teach. I'm like, he's not even teaching from Scripture. And he was okay with that. If you read this book, you'll, and if I told you that church, you can see a lot of the things in here that that church will be one of those that closes because they're not teaching the truth. You see, many of them on TV are not teaching the truth. Be careful what you watch. What are the marks of false teachers? Verse 3 of 1 Timothy 6 says, Anyone teaches otherwise. That otherwise is false doctrine. Things that are not true to Scripture. And do not consent to wholesome words. Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are people who deny or don't teach what Christ taught. Who was the teacher? He spent three and a half years teaching. Why did he teach so many parables? Because he had to make it simple for us. Because we wouldn't understand it if he made it difficult. He taught to where we can understand. The majority of people that get saved get saved when they're under 18 years of age. Why? Because it's simple. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. Yeah, we follow what God's word teaches, but he didn't make it difficult. But it says here that they will not even consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. That's godly teaching. We need to teach godly principles in church. It says, he is proud, knowing nothing. Back in 1 Timothy, or yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, or starting in 6, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. You like, how many of you, it, you're taking the challenge. I love seeing all the stars going up on the board. How many of you just loved reading through the law? You know, what's even harder for me than reading the law? Because I learn from the law every time I read it. You know what's even harder? Is so-and-so, son of so-and-so had to, all of those, I read them and, and it's like, why couldn't they have come up with normal names? Joe, Bill, Jim, John, you know, just simple names. Because you got to read through those. And you're like, why is this important? Well, when you get down to the end, it's important. It's all important here. It wouldn't be in God's word. I read through them. But the law, yeah, it's difficult. And I see stuff in there. And we've talked about how many animals they have to have. I mean, no wonder they had such huge herds of sheep and cattle. They made a lot of sacrifices. Think about the sacrifices and how much blood there was. You know, all the pictures that we paint for the little kids in, in Sunday school is this tabernacle, and I think there's one back here somewhere. It's all clean and pretty and pristine and stuff. Uh-uh. The Holy of Holies was. But where the blood was shed, and I mean, can you imagine how much blood there was for all these sacrifices? It's important to know the law. A lot of people don't want to teach it because they don't want... You figured out how many people David killed and his men? Lots. Oh, but we can't talk about that because that's violence. It's truth from Scripture. We've got to know what's in here. Godly teaching. Isaiah chapter 8. Verse 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it has become there is no light in them. Is it important that we know the law? That we understand the reason for the law? Absolutely it is. It's important that as a church we hold fast the form of sound and healthy words. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Again, 
another letter of Paul to Timothy, says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. We need to be teaching healthy, sound words. Verse 4 of chapter 6 in 1 Timothy says, He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, for which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions. Many of you know I have a, I have a Timothy in California that calls me on a fairly regular basis. And right now he's dealing with someone who when he's preaching, this guy will be sitting in his congregation and he'll say, that's not what it means. Right during the service. Trust me, I taught a men's Bible study in that church for a couple years. And every time I taught, this man argued with me that I didn't know what I was talking about from the Word of God. And when they, he first wanted to join the church, I asked, the, I asked my Timothy, I said, Steve, have you checked out what this guy believes doctrinally? I said, do you know what he actually believes before you make him a member of the church? Then after they made him a member of the church, some of the other men who are now gone from that church says, we need to make him a deacon. He's really smart. My Timothy called me and he said, what do you think? Well, what do you think I did? I laughed. I said, why would you put someone into leadership who argues and disputes with you every time you open your, the Word of God. Almost every time I talk to him, he says, I'm dealing with this guy, and I just don't know what to do. I know what I do, but... That's that. Is obsessed with disputes and argument over words. Now, I know that we'll disagree on... I mean... Some of you use King James. Some of you use New King James. Some of you use NIV or NASB. There are a few word differences. But are we going to argue over them as long as we understand what they mean? As long as we haven't changed the truth. Because I can tell you, I'm not, a, I'm not a Greek or a Hebrew scholar at all. But when I look up stuff, and I say, wow, that's why they use that word so that we would understand what it means. But to gather together and dispute or argue over words, what does it say it creates? Envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicions. We're not supposed to argue. We're supposed to study God's word and gather what it means and what it says for healthy False teachers are puffed up, conceited. I don't have all the answers. I have met very few men in my life who had all the answers. I had a professor in Bible college who could quote, not from here, but from here, cover to cover, King James, word perfect. He was born in Ireland. He worked the docks as a longshoreman until God got hold of his life in his 30s. And he memorized God's word. Not just here, 
but here. One of the few men I've known in my life who you could ask, and he would, one, one time a month, I think it was, we, every freshman took spiritual life from Dr. Mitchell. And once a month, he would open it up for questions. And one time we thought, well, let's see if we can trip him up. Here we are, a bunch of young college kids. I'm actually out of the military already. And so we sat in the front row, and every one of us was an ex-GI that were sitting in that front row. And we thought, we'll get him today. Because we, he, carried, he carried his family Bible, or it looked like his family Bible. Big, black, Schofield, King James, and he flopped it down, and he opened it up. And you never saw him look down at it during the whole class. So we thought, we'll trip him up. We wrote out questions, and we, were, we knew the answer that we wanted. So we sat right here, and he had to have known we were doing this to him. He wasn't dumb. And so we'd ask him a question, and he would be, he would be standing at the pulpit with his Bible right here. And he was like this. And he would give us the answer, the verse, and quote it. And we're like, he's not moving his hands. Next person asked him a question. Different part of the Bible, way off, way off from the other questions. We planned this all out over coffee. And, he, and he, we're, we're in the front row, which was unusual for all of us to be in the front row. And you know what? Not one time did we trip him up. He gave us the verse what it meant word perfect King James a friend of mine went to him one time for counseling and he said John what are you here for and he said well he said why are you here at school and he said well I want to know what God's will is for my life Dr. Mitchell said well you need to go back to the registrar and get your money back John's like what do you mean he said you need to drop out of school this is one of the founders of the college John says, why? And he says, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, you need to go home, take your Bible, and sit there and read it and pray. He said, if that's what you're here at school for, you're wasting your money. You need to go home. Now, what are you really here for? And the next answer that John gave him, he says, you need to get it, drop out of school, go home and read your Bible. God will show you from his word what his will is for your life. But those who want to dispute, we over argue, they over argue over words. Why do we not put a young man in a position as a pastor? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 says, Not a novice, lest he be puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Don't put a young man in a position too early because it just gets him in trouble. Sometimes men who stand up here get their convictions off of the truth of Scripture and on their own agendas. I don't ever want to be in that position. 
I want to go strictly from the truth of Scripture, see what God's Word has to say. Because what does it lead to? Controversies, arguments. Verse 5 of chapter 6 says, useless wranglings. Useless wranglings. Hmm. Corrupt minds. There are actually several things in verse 5. It says corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. If you watch the TV guys, and we don't, we don't get any of those on our, we only get PBS on our TV. And I'm so glad because you watch some of those guys. What do they spend most of their half hour or 45 or hour on? Money or selling their books. Now they got to pay for their airtime, but are they teaching the truth? I love some of the guys that are out there because how many of you know who Adrian Rogers is? Oh, Adrian Rogers spent, he's, he's, been, he's been with the Lord for a long time now. Uh, I think at one time he was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but and he was from the South somewhere, but he spent almost the whole time of his service preaching from God's Word. Very little on selling books, and very little on raising money. His time was taught preaching the Word of God. That's what it should be. As believers, we need to understand the word will have a burning for, in our hearts. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 32. It says, And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us? on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us should have a burning in our hearts to know more about what's in the word of God instead of arguing over little words we need to be feeding on the wholesome words of Christ Next week, I think we'll go into the motives for teaching because uh, I'm not going to have time to get to it this morning. But Go back to verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness... For he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Verse 6 says, For godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Godliness with contentment. I've got this highlighted in orange in my Bible. Contentment is great gain if it's when godliness. Aren't you glad we're just passing through here? Next week we're going to get into stuff. I want to see if Sharon or Sue can find... There's, there's a great picture that I, I want to have up next week. It's the hearse with the U-Haul behind it. Think about it now. So you won't want to miss next week. Y'all are laughing. Yeah. Behave back there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul uses that word a number of times. Godliness, godliness, godliness. Where are we in our walk and relationship with him? Are we looking... I love that song, the songs we did this morning, even though they were for Valentine's Day and love, but they were great songs that point to the cross and what Christ did on the cross for you and for me. That should be what we're striving for, is a walk in relationship with him that points to godliness. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we just pray that as we work and grow together in our knowledge and understanding of you, that, Father, we won't have these wordless disputes over words that we will have a genuine desire to know the truth of your word and that we will understand when we look at godly teaching or not godly teaching to be able to discern from your word what is truth and what is not and father we just pray that as we seek to reach into the community around us that father you will just guide us and direct us in all the truth from your word that we need uh, today and we just pray this in your most precious name amen